Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing. We just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. I am your host, Nicole York. And today we are talking about pricing our products. How do we even begin to start that process? We know we need to sell things to people in order to make the money we need to make to run a business and live our lives. But how do we come to those numbers? How do we figure out what to charge for a print or a service or a piece of art? Is it some random number we just kind of generate and then see how things pan out? Or is there actually some kind of formula we can figure out to look at how I should be pricing my products? Um, We get a lot of questions from folks like this as artists in almost every space we inhabit as artists, whether that's, you know, online forums or through email or just in, in discussions on places like Facebook, people are always confused about how we should price our products in order not only to make a profit, but for them to sell. Because remember, we're bringing all of those fantastic money blocks and biases and everything along with us. And Sometimes that sounds like nobody will pay this price for that. And sometimes that sounds like, um, you know, if I want to make money, it has to be priced at this particular price. Um, So it's a good question. And one we're going to dig into today as we contemplate pricing. If you have not yet listened to the discussion about how you price your business overall, then I need you to head back and listen to that one at some point. There's a really fantastic information in there and a lot of really good insight into what steps people should take in order to figure out what they need to charge. But how does that translate to products? We took our yearly income as an individual, what our salary needs to be. We took what our business income needs to be in order to function. We smushed those two numbers together. We divided them by the number of days we could work per year and the number of sales we thought we could potentially make. So if we're photographers and we can shoot two days a week, that's two days a week that we could be potentially earning money that needs to pay for all the rest of our time. So how does that actually translate to products? I have three business owners here with me today, three portrait photographers here with me, and I want to hear from you guys. How do people work their way through this problem? We know I need to earn 50000 My business needs to earn 70000 How does that translate into the actual products that we sell? How do you guys figure that out? Um, hi. <laughs> uh, so when I first started my studio, uh, which I just recently realized, like, I think two days ago, that will be 10 years in March. And now I'm like super jazzed about that. Um, I came in from Food and Bev, right? And our typical uh, menu uh, pricing in the bar and the restaurant world was typically, you know, four times. So if it costs $3, to make, then it was $12 on the menu. And so that's how I started. And I was like, man, prints are really cheap. I could do this, you know, on like an eight by 10, I could sell it for $25. And yeah, that seems great. And, you know, as you, you move through business and you realize like, oh, that's not, that's not going to work. Um, there are other methodologies too. Like I spoke with an artist a couple of months ago and I asked her how she priced her work uh, and she's a painter and she paints with lipstick and super cool like her name is uh, Lipstick Lex if you guys want to check her out on Instagram she's a super cool lady um, but she prices her work by the square inch and then she has like three different tiers of medium that she paints on that you can choose from like low mid high grade quality whatever um, and then it's priced from the square inch beyond that point. Um, and now I typically start my, my formula for my business at like a 10%. So if it costs me $3 to make, 
then, okay, that's going to be times 10 is the bare minimum that I would charge for it. Um, but then you start thinking about those different mediums and say you have prints, but you also have other types of art that you want to offer that you print your photos on. And then it's like, oh God, do I have to have, you know, if I have acrylic, metal and canvas, do I have to have three different prices for those? And my typical advice for my mentees is nope, keep it really simple. So if you have for your a la carte menu, mounted print, acrylic, canvas, and metal, then take the most expensive of those pieces and use that as your baseline for your formula of that 10%. And that's what all of them cost and they can choose. And that system has worked really well for me uh, in, in defining that artwork. And you can, you know, that 10% of that most expensive piece gives you wiggle room so that you can negotiate in the sales room to have those pull through items. But that's a different conversation altogether. Um, but yeah, like in portrait world and my world with this specific business model, having that 10% as the guideline um, really tends to work out in the wash. That's super interesting, Kat. So when you're doing that, do you have a, a specific number of prints or something that you need to hit? Like, how do you make sure that your bottom line is covered per client? Um, well, the first way I figured out how to do that was figuring out what my break even point was. Like if I knew that I had two shoot days a week and, you know, at those eight shoots, what do I need to make to meet my overhead, including any kind of baseline salary? Guess what my session fee then turned into. So that break even point was hit and I was meeting that mark as long as that was my target. And then any sales that were made on the back end of that were really where the investment into the business came from, right? That's where I could finally start investing into the business and growing my craft and education and workshops and all of those things. Um, but once you figure out what that break even point is, that becomes your session fee and you can organize that any way you want, right? Maybe if that feels really high to you, say your session fee has, it has to be 650. That was my break even point. And I was like, man, 650 seems like a, an awful lot to not get anything. And I said, okay, well then I'll make 300 of that an image credit and they can apply that toward their purchase. So the session fee is $350, and then they have $300 image credit. So I based my, my per image a la carte started at $300. So that meant that they could book with me and still walk away with something. It made the barrier to entry a little higher than other photographers in the area, but it meant that they could trust that they could invest with me in a session and still walk away with something. And that gave me the confidence that I needed to be like, look, if you don't want to buy anything else, you don't have to. Period. I love that. I love that so much. Also, because what you're doing is you're, you're starting off at a place where people know, like, yeah, they're, they are going to have to invest to work with you, like just to work with you. And that is a really great mindset to start from because it gives them the foundation for everything that's about to happen next. And then, like you said, having that safety involved and then making sure that they're, they're going to have something and everything else is profit. Like that is a, a, a really great way to, to have that confident, like, and comfort in your business, knowing that it's going to be taken care of as long as people book with you. And then you can put your effort into making sure people book the right, you know, you get the right amount of sessions per week or month or whatever, rather than stressing on, I have to make this sale in order to sustain myself. And then right. all of a sudden there's a bunch of. Well, and being able to disconnect from that sale makes that sale a lot easier. Once you put the pressure on having to make a sale to meet that goal and, oh my God, we're all going to die. Guess what doesn't happen? when you feel that way, when you're emotionally attached to the money of the thing, right? Then all of a sudden you are pushing it away from you. So instead of just being available for it and having that money become the byproduct of your process, 
that's really where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, so you can just say like, this is how much it costs. You're eliminating risk, right? Like, okay, look, if you want my work, that's great. You are going to have to pay for it. But how about this? I won't make you pay for it up front. How about we have this like baseline, like this is, this is how much it costs to work with me. You can apply that and to a single image if that's what you want. And then you can walk away if you're like, you know what? This is all I can afford. Thank you so much. Or I just, I don't love this. This really could have been a lot better. I didn't like my makeup or my wardrobe was weird or you're a shitty photographer, right? And okay, cool. You're taking that risk away by saying like, you don't have to buy anything else if you don't want to. But if you want to, this is how much it is. And I'm taking my desperation away from the attachment of them having to buy more because all of my nut is covered in that session fee. So everything else is, I had so much fun with you. Wasn't this wonderful? Here's all of your beautiful imagery. What would you like today? Yep. I love it. I love that. All right. So that's a really fantastic way that we can begin looking at how do we start pricing our product and in Kat's case, beginning with making sure that the bottom line is covered by the session fee. And then recognizing that the session fee may be a little bit high for target market clients. And also there's a little bit of risk involved in the, in the session fee like that because you are not necessarily walking away with something. So adding a print credit then becomes a really cool way to have your clients feel like they're safe. Um, you know that you're safe because your operating expenses are all covered and all of a sudden that takes the pressure off the sale and then using that 10%. So whatever it costs to make the thing times 10 is the bottom line of where she's pricing all of her goodies. Um, and then Kat, before I kind of let you off the hook for a second, if you have kind of high end or luxury or more expensive products, is there any is there any system you use to kind of price those things out above and beyond what the kind of minimum? Um, I always still use that 10% marker, but if it's say the cost on like Graphy is a great example because their products tend to be a little more expensive than most of the, uh, the, photo houses, at least in, in the US, right? And but I still want to make sure that I'm hitting that like 10% mark. But I look at the profit line, the the actual number, and say, okay, if a 24 by 36 is going to cost me $100 at Miller's, and a 24 by 36 with this other provider, right, is now $300. What is it that makes it different? Like, how can I sell that? And is it worth that to me? Is that valuable for me? And if I can now price that $300 product because of all of the added value of how it's created at maybe 20 times instead of 10, right? Then, ooh, that makes it even more like out of touch for people, right? But there are going to be some people that are like, oh, hell yes, like that high gloss or super fine weave or whatever. If that if I can make the number value of the profit wider and more vast for for the business to take in, then, yeah, of course, I'm going to offer it. And I might even go beyond that 10 percent line because I really believe in it that much and I want to offer it. Sure. And then, of course, there's certainly some, <clears throat> excuse me, there's certainly some kind of um, status attached psychologically when we see a product that's priced high and we look at it and we're like, that must be really fancy. <laughs> and for some people, that is part of the emotional um, the emotional need that they're getting met by working with certain photographers or buying from certain artists is having actually spent a certain amount because to them, 
that is this emotional exchange of value. And that makes the piece even more important. I spent this much on it. It means a lot. Like there's a transactional thing there, not just the physical transaction of the cash, but the mental emotional transaction that says, you know, this is a thing of status. And that makes me feel important. That helps me, you know, feel comfortable and confident in what I've done. And so for those folks, having products like that actually makes it. Well, and there's the status piece, but there's also, you know, the flip side of that too. Maybe you have products that if your standard line is 10%, but you really want to carry it, but to stay inside what your market will bear, quote unquote, though I don't love the market will bear. The market will bear what I tell it to bear. Um, but I really want to offer it and I want to keep it in line, just reachable for the clients that I typically work with every day. I might say and allow myself to take something to a 30% markup just because I want to offer it, but make sure that it's large enough of a piece to where that profit is in line with my 10% pieces, right? So an example of that might be a larger piece, right? So where my profit at 30% is still three grand, but my profit on my 10% pieces on the larger scale of things is also three grand. So the profit itself is the same. So it makes it in line with my offerings and just brings another layer of added value because the profit margin itself is worth it to me. If it were at a smaller size, that 30% probably wouldn't be, right? Because that profit might only be $100 or $200, in which case it's not really, it, that math doesn't pan out. It's not worth it to me to have my studio manager work on something and shipping and packaging and doing all of the things. But at a three grand markup, yeah, that's worth it. I'm totally down. So you have to be adaptable to things if something is in line with your business model and what it is that you have to offer from an artwork standpoint. And the math has to make sense. I'm really glad that you said that actually, because one of the things that people tend to lose sight of when they look at, okay, what products are, am I going to offer is they forget those overhead costs that go into offering the product. I know we talked about that a little bit um, before, and I know, you know, it's one thing if I'm getting a print in and then somebody's just coming and picking it up. And if I'm not matting it and I'm not framing it and I'm not doing all of these other things to it myself or having my studio manager do it, then it's a, it's a relatively simple transaction with not a lot of overhead. But if I'm matting, if I'm framing, if I'm hanging, if I'm shipping, then there's all of this additional cost involved in selling that particular product. Um, whether that is happening every time. So if you are an artist who is shipping off your work all across the country, then you know that the cost of shipping and the cost of packaging and the time that it's going to take you not only to package that product, but to get it and to ship it all needs to go into that price. Otherwise, you're eating into your margins with every hour of extra work you put into the delivery of that print or that painting or you know piece of ceramic or whatever it is that you're sending those things need to be included that they may be included in your standard costs and your standard overhead or like Basam mentioned they may be a variable cost if you only ever rarely ship something then you may be willing to add that to your variable cost you might eat that based on the kind of sales that you make or you may need to be able to include that if somebody is out of state or if they're wherever and you know you have to let them know the price changes but you need to know those things. And if you have worked out the math, then you should have a good idea of what hourly rate, like what your hourly rate is, what that's costing you that then goes into the price. And if you decide to eat that, or if you decide to add that into the price of the product, depending on you know, what your business model looks like, that's still a really important thing to know. Because you might think, I've priced my product at this and that's a really high margin, like this is great but then you're spending so much time preparing and shipping and et cetera, your product that all of a sudden you've eaten into your gone. profit margins. Yeah. yeah. Sucks it right out the window. Absolutely. 
Hey guys, I want to jump in uh, simply because I may have to leave in the next five to ten minutes. Uh, there's so much good stuff, Kat, that you that you shared, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm 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 kind of on board with everything you everything you said, and you pointed to the fact that even with certain rules that we put for ourselves, they may not necessarily apply all the time, and we have to kind of, uh, you know, be malleable and 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 given the situation, play with it, but have but bounce it against something that would tell us whether it makes sense or not. You know, like the, your, your example of profit, the dollar value of the profit as opposed to the percentage. But I do want to emphasize that one of, to me, one of the most important thing in pricing either services or products is not only simplicity for the client and for yourself, but consistency in what, what, what you do. Uh, how often do we see or do I see people sharing their price lists and, and they have this this approach that you kind of read in the top part of the page and then you get to the bottom and some of the stuff they do in terms of pricing negates and takes value away from what they just uh, presented on the top of the page. So consistency in how you price these things is, is extremely important. And, and, and you mentioned something, Nicole, that I think we all need to decide up front is how do we want to value our thing? Right, so your example of by the square inch um, uh, is is a good example, right? Depending on what type of photography or art we do, we have a choice of how we value the thing we sell, the the skew, you know, the 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 unit itself, right? So you can value your product by the image, right? You can say my image is worth two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, no matter what it is. That's the value of my service, and then base your whole pricing. In, based on that, and, and I don't mean literally exactly based on that, but at least it has to make sense within that and not break that, uh, not negate that and take value away from that by pricing other things differently, right? Unless it makes sense in that one specific case. You can price your work by hour. So your common denominator could be by hour or by day or by whatever it is. So to me, it's important to, to have that in mind and say, in general, my pricing is based on $200 an image. So whatever packages I put together, they can't, they can't take away value from that. They still have to make sense. So when it comes to products, for example, like uh, wall art, right? So if, if, my, if my image is worth $300 and I apply Kat's rule of 10%, which by the way is amazing, it's very good, it's a very good number, right? It, it may not make sense it may not make sense because if I'm charging a, a big enlargement, I'm charging 500 bucks, but my image itself is worth 300, that takes away value. And maybe I should be charging 800 bucks for that. And that may be a 20 times markup from the cost. So it's all I'm trying to say is that once you decide what your common denominator is, which is the square inch in the case you, uh, you did, and you put the right value on it, it's a good way to use that as a check and balance. Does it make sense? The other thing, and I'll, and I'll finish right after that, the other thing that's important to remember is that that 10% or 20% or whatever it is that you decide in terms of markup may work well at higher numbers, but it also has to make, you know, it, it, you can't apply it in every case because if your little print that's 8 by 10 costs you $2.50 to print and you multiply that by 10, now it's 25 bucks and the customers can say, well, how come you're charging two fifty for, you know, so on and so forth. My point is, you, you have to do those checks and balances to make sure it makes sense. And sometimes you really have to look at the value it's bringing to the customers. You talked about covering your costs. For example, if, you, if your service is to go hang wall art in people's homes, there's the cost related to that, which may be eh, an hour and some gas and whatever it is, right? But maybe the value to the customer, so maybe that's a cost of 100 bucks to you, but maybe the value to that client is $500, because they don't have to do this and they don't have to do that. So why not charge $500 instead of just covering your costs? So always look at things from what value does it bring that may be beyond my you know, cost plus uh, offer or analysis. Separate my cost from what the value is to the client and, and you may end up at a higher price level. I'll stop right there. And as I said, I may drop off kind of quickly. So have a great weekend, everybody, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And we'll see you on the other side if I don't get to say goodbye after. That was great, Bassam. And I think it's, I think you bring up something that's a really important question that um, I had intended to 
kind of insert a little bit later on before we start asking for some participation from our audience. But, um, and this will tie into what Kat said as well. I think it's important for us to first ask ourselves the question of how we actually want the pricing to affect the way that we run our business. And by that, I mean, Kat mentioned that her decision to have a session fee means that she gets to take a lot of the pressure off of herself and off of the sale. So that is something that is built into the way that's a pricing structure that's built into the way the business is run that gets to allow her a lot of freedom, mental and emotional freedom um, when it comes to bringing in an income and pricing her products because now everything else is is extra right like it's it's extra good it's the growth money it's the investment money it's all that good stuff she knows that she's covered there are some folks who may need that additional stress in order to push them to make great sales and so i know some people who there is no barrier to entry you basically can come in and work with them for free but then the individual product prices are through the roof and that is they have to make that be a valuable way to work with them. So the barrier to entry is low, but they're so confident they're going to produce things that you can't walk away without that you are going to be willing to pay, you know, et cetera, et cetera, however much amount. They need a little bit of that stress in the business to force them to produce things that they believe to be worthwhile. And they, have, they are the ones that now have to make that a value to the client. Um, there are some folks who will who will separate those things. So maybe the session fee is enough to just pay the business, and then the products that are accompanied. Maybe it's a um, the maybe the lowest package is what will cover their income plus, right? So there are a lot of different ways that you can structure how you actually earn your money where you're pricing your products and how those things are broken up, depending on how you actually want to run your business. Um, and I think it's really important to, to consider that because if you put a lot of pressure on yourself to make the sale, but you're not the kind of person who thrives under that pressure and you don't do a very good job um, educating your clients why this system is valuable for them, instead of a, another system that they could have potentially worked with, like um, if they go to a photographer who does package pricing um, and they know that they're walking away with a couple of, you know, printed mats, matted printed um, portraits and, a, a, you know, an album or whatever. And they're looking at your pricing structure and you have to make sure that they understand why this is a value added type of structure for them. And that puts a lot of pressure on you and you are not equipped to handle it, then you may have just destroyed your ability to do business. So you really need to understand yourself and how you're going to function well. And that may take some experimentation. You may begin by, by saying, you know, I want to make sure people can get through my door and my, I just want to build my reputation and my name. And all of a sudden, you know, you, that pressure to make the sale then destroys you and, despite how many people are coming through your door, you can't make a sale. You may need to move to a pricing structure that allows you to take that pressure off of yourself and put the bar in front of your customer. And they do have to jump that bar in order to get through and work with you. And that takes the pressure off of the sale. You're going to have to work maybe a little bit harder to get people to book, but that's not the same thing as people turning down your artwork. And it's not the same emotional impact as people turning down your artwork. So my biggest advice would be to begin by considering how you want to structure selling, how you want people to uh, engage with buying from you. And if that's a way to run your business that is going to be um, good and healthy for you and enjoyable for you, or because if it's not, I mean, you're, you're not going to ever sell anything. So I think you really need to know that about yourself. There's no wrong way to structure how you sell if it works for you and if you're still able to translate that to value added for your client. All right, Matt, how do you figure out how to price your products? I listen to cat. <laughs> That's a good, good strategy. 
That's, that's, I mean, it's pretty much (laughs) what it comes down to. I, um, you know, it's no secret. I've learned so much from cat over the years and my, my approach to pricing is very, very similar to hers. Um, I try to keep things very simple for my clients. Um, I know that most of the clients that come in are savvy and that they've shopped and they already have an understanding or a belief system based around photography and how much things cost, how much they expect to be paying based on their brother's cousin who's a photographer out in St. Louis, right? They have an understanding of what photography costs in some markets. So for me, when I blow those prices out of the water, I need to make sure that what I'm selling has that additional value to it. So what I find when I'm pricing my products, I set them to support my business. I set them so that I'm making profit so that all of the things that we've talked about the past few days in terms of financials and you know supporting your business, I make sure that that's all in place. Then when I'm confident with how I feel about my pricing, if I look at it as a consumer and I say, yeah, you know what, this is valuable to me, then I feel very comfortable selling it. So when it comes to, um, you know, individual pricing and percentages and looking at it like that, I probably take a slightly looser approach to it, right? If, if I had someone go in and calculate all of my print pricing and percentages based on size and uh, what they're getting, they might find some inconsistencies going from 15 prints to 20 prints or, or whatever. My goal is to make that a non-issue through education and through value creation with the client so that they're not nitpicking and trying to figure out, well, if I only get the digitals and not the prints, can I save some money? Those are not the conversations that I want to get into. Sometimes they're inevitable, but they're really not the conversations that I want to get into. So for me, pricing really comes down to uh, the, the value and the education that I'm providing. The way that I actually do it is, you know, I base my pricing on size for wall art example. Uh, for example, it's just based on size. It's not based on material. You can get it on a Malfi paper. You can get it on an Etch-a-Sketch. Doesn't matter to me. As long as you have a certain size, that's what I'm charging. The Etch-a-Sketch takes a little bit more time. Um, for, you know, folio boxes and albums or one-off things that people might want, Um, You know, I always say I want to be their one-stop shop. I don't want them to take my digital image and then go to Shutterfly to get a book. Talk to me about what it is that you need, and I'll see if I can source it from my labs. If it's something that I absolutely cannot provide, then I won't. I'll just tell them straight out that's not something that I do. Um, But... If it is something that I can do, I'll work up a quote for them. If I'm making snow globes or, you know, curtains with prints on it, um, sure, I don't really keep those in the studio and it's not something that I do, but I'll work up a quote for you. And if I'm doing something like that that's out of the norm, I'll use that, you know, that 10-time pricing um, if it makes sense. But I know, again, that my consumers are going to be savvy And they've probably already done some shopping or have a range in mind. So I keep my prices where I need them to support the business. And then I just make sure that I'm providing the value around that so that it becomes a non-issue. And they just say, oh, yeah, okay, like $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 is, yeah, that's fine. I totally get the value in the way that I was treated and the product quality that I'm getting and the hand-holding that I'm getting from Matt. Yeah, it's totally worth it. So I just try to make sure that the the client is educated and comfortable all along the way um, and that the pricing for my products supports my business. I know I said the same thing like four times, but I was just trying to say it from different angles. <laughs> hey, I, I, I just want yeah, to say, uh, Matt, uh, you, you, you clarified something as a, with, a, with a proper example or the, the way you said it. When I was talking about... Uh, you know, having, you know, being clear about what you're basing it on, right? It does take away that, that conversation that you don't want to have. So when you say, hey, my pricing is based on 200 or $300 an image, whether it's digital, whether it's this, whether it comes in that box, that's the value of my image. So it takes away. You're absolutely right. You don't want to have that discussion. You don't want to have wise clients trying to finagle, 
your pricing. And, and that's why by sticking to that and having clarity around that and having consistency in your pricing around that, relatively speaking, it does take away that conversation. And it comes down to simply educating about what is the value itself. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I, I kind of step in and look at this um, from a, an artist perspective as well. So somebody who is not a, a portrait photographer um, or, or who is creating that for a client, some of us are just artists. Um, Becca's not here today, but she mentioned, you know, that what you pay her for is not necessarily a final digital image. It's her ideas. It's her ability to execute those ideas. And so for those of us who are not working within the kind of structure that portrait photographers might use, we have to look at other ways to begin pricing our products. And as Bassam mentioned, um, going on a, on a, like a, a per image basis. So it, it's what is the cost of image creation, right? And there are a lot of different factors that are going to go into that, depending on what our circumstances are. If I am paying for a space in a gallery, and that's where I sell, and I also am paying for a space in a studio where I can work, and I am I have brushes, and I have paints, and I have paint thinner, and I have varnish, and I have et cetera, et cetera then I have a lot of overhead costs that go into the process of creating this painting. So that means at a very baseline, I obviously need to cover those costs. How many hours does it take me to create a painting that I can sell? So that now becomes an overhead cost. And maybe I'm paying myself $50 an hour or $150 an hour, whatever it is I'm paying that's going to cover how often I can work. Let's say I can paint three days a week and I know that I need to earn this much money per year in order to survive. I need to do that math, right? So we know at the very base minimum, any image you get from me, it doesn't matter if it's eight by 12, it doesn't matter if it's 24 by 36, at the very, very minimum, I have to be making $1,000 from this image in order to cover the overhead of the cost it took me to create it, plus the, the amount of product I used that went into the creation of it and the amount of hours that it took me. So that is the, the absolute bare minimum, right? If I don't make that, then I'm selling this thing at a loss. Okay, so we know that that's the very bottom line. And our, our bottom lines are gonna be different depending on where we're working. So if I'm a digital artist and I'm working out of my bedroom and I have, you know, I've got my, all my goods in there and I'm selling digital pieces, then my overhead is obviously incredibly low. It is much farther down the line than it's going to be for somebody who is renting a gallery space and, and paying for a studio. So those are things that you have to consider. What is your individual situation? And what is the very bottom that you can potentially accept for a piece? Then you have some interesting decisions to make here. And these things apply to photographers as well. Because there's not just the, the main bottom line value that you need in order to pay yourself and your business. There's also the perceived value in the market and where you want to place yourself. So if an important part of how you want people to, to see you, if an important part of your brand story is high end, hard to acquire, there's a lot of... Um, it's prestige in getting a piece of work or working with this artist and you want to put yourself up there, then you need to price your products in order to hit that range of prestige. So who else is in your area? This is where your market research comes into play. Who else is in your area? How are they perceived by the market? And what are they charging? Maybe my very baseline price for an oil painting needs to be $1,000. And I'm looking at my area it's a tourist area. A lot of folks come here. Some of the bigger galleries are open. And a lot of these artists are selling pieces for five, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000. If I want to reach that level of prestige, then I need to be aiming my prices in that direction. But I also have another important question I need to ask myself. Anybody who's a serious art buyer also considers, like once you get to a certain level that people are spending, um, they are going to be looking at things like what's the history of this artist? Who else has bought from them? How much do they generally sell for? You need to understand that art market and how it functions if you're going to be able to sell your pieces for the, for the price that you want to sell them and to hit what you want the story of your brand to be if you want to hit that prestige. So people do care people who spend that kind of money on a piece do care about the provenance of the piece. 
how was it created? Where was it created? Why was it created? Who who helped and what pieces went into that? Who else is bought from this artist? If it's a if if uh, you know some famous person owns a piece of your artwork, that 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 then in, increases the prestige I have in owning a piece as well. So there's a lot that goes into play there that you need to keep in mind as an artist, and you can take some of these same principles and use them as a portrait photographer. If I make it difficult to work with me, if my price is really high, so that is that is a barrier to entry. And if I'm booked really far out in advance, and that is a barrier to entry. And if to work with me, um, I'm going to, let's, I'll use my, my imaginary business. If I'm a fantasy portrait photographer and I have a library of costumes and if I build things specifically just for this shoot and you're the only client who will ever ever wear it and maybe you can also take it with you when you leave like I made it for you and I've included that in in the cost there is a lot of hands-on specialty things that are going on there that means I have added value even if it's just perceived value that I can use to raise my prices the flip side to that is I now have to really chase down my clients. I have to really, I have to market to these folks really well. I have to find them and they have to believe that it's worth it to come and work with me. So I may not be, I may not be putting a whole lot of work in the back end. Maybe I'm just sending them a digital file. A lot of my work is coming on the front end and that has to increase the price. So there's a lot to consider here when you're looking at pricing an individual piece whether you are an artist or a portrait photographer and the perceived value that goes into that as well, and not just the hard costs that we have to cover. And that is why understanding, you know, we talked about earlier, the philosophy of your business and who you want to be in your marketplace. That's the reason we talked about all of those things, because now we have to consider them when it comes to how we price our individual product those things all reflect back on the story that you're telling. If I'm trying to tell people a story that I am a luxury, high-end, boutique brand, that everything I do is specifically for you and nobody else will have what you have and I'm charging you $100 for a piece of wall art, I've just ruined the entire story that I've been trying to tell you from front to back. I tried to tell you that with my marketing. I tried to tell you that with my fancy studio. I tried to tell you that with all these things. And then you come in and I'm only charging you $100 for a piece of art. I'm about to just ruin everything I tried to tell you. And if I tried to tell you that I am an affordable, my my whole business model is on being an affordable place for families to capture memories. And then I try to charge you $8,000 for an album. I've just destroyed everything I've tried to build. So understanding who you want to be in your business, who you want your business to be in the marketplace, the story that you're trying to tell people, and then looking at all the hard costs that are involved in the creation of those things, all of that kind of comes together in order to either support the business that you're making or undermine the business that you're making. And I think it's really important for us to know those things about how we want to present ourselves. And remember, the the selling process begins with the marketing Um, and then goes all the way through the entire process, whether you're selling fine art, an individual piece that is numbered and signed with a certificate of authentication, often good grief with a certificate of authentication, authenticity. Um, Or if you're sending somebody a digital print online and they can print it wherever they want to, you need to know those things about how you want your business to be perceived and how that perceived value then goes into pricing of individual products. All right, had to shift my position. Um, I wanna get any feedback from the mods and then we are opening it up to questions and thoughts. So if you have some really great thoughts on how you can price your products, I want you to raise your hand. And then after we get to people who have helpful things to offer, then we want to make sure we can answer a couple questions toward the end. So thoughts first, if you've got some great advice, please raise your hand. We'd love to hear from you. And then we want questions. I really like that you brought into the space of, of your sort of pricing model, right? Like the story you're trying to tell about who you are trying to be in the marketplace. So if you are trying to be like a high-end offering artist versus, well, not even versus, but or, the either or, right? 
of the uh, affordable place for families to make memories and making sure that your pricing follows that space. And I, cause I think one of the things that happens is we want to, at least I see it a lot in, um, especially in the SBE world, because many people come into this, this portrait photographer space in the, oh my God, a thousand dollars is like so much money, right? But they want to be offering these really beautiful, luxurious products and amazing experiences and transformational opportunities for people to, to really grow in themselves. And you get to facilitate that and all those things. But then you can't say a thousand dollars out loud because a thousand dollars in your world is like, I mean, that's living for an entire month, right? Uh, and understanding who we need to grow into in order to be able to have the build the infrastructure for these different spaces, right? So if we're wanting to be the affordable place for families to come, then understanding that our pricing model needs to be less bolstered, right? And you need to be more in that like 25 to 40% cost of goods land. And if you're wanting to be this, you know, boutique portrait offering, then you need to not be scared of $1,000. So you need to start investing in yourself to receive so that that $1,000 feels easy for you. Um, and knowing that your pricing has to reflect who it is that you want to be in the marketplace. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I could go on tangents about that for a while, but I really wanted to mark that because that's really powerful advice. Um, and understanding how we define ourselves in our business plan with our mission and vision statements and moving forward, we structure everything around what that mission is, including. Yeah, a hundred percent. And <clears throat> that's one of the things I think the reason I wanted to make sure I brought it up is because it's one of the things when I was first starting out as a portrait photographer that I didn't consider at all. Um, I just kind of had this notion because that's what I was surrounded by in the small community that I lived in. I just kind of had this notion that everybody was somewhere around this price point as photographers and that it was my work that was going to differentiate me, right? Like I thought it was my eye and my artistic vision. I didn't really have one at the time, but like, that's what I thought, right? Like it was just going to be purely the quality of my work that uh, made people want to come and work with me instead. And I would just steal all the business that way because my work was so good. And this is a lie, guys. This is a lie we tell ourselves. It's not that your work doesn't have to be good, right? There is, there is a, a low bar to entry, or I shouldn't say a low bar, but there is a bar to entry when it comes into, in general, what the minimum standard should be for work that is created by professionals for a you know, buying clients. Um, but we tend to think that it's, it's purely going to be our vision when really it's, it's all of the things combined, right? It's the, it's the story that we tell people. It's how we support that story. And if it's believable, it's how we solve their problems and where we fit into their lives. It's what problems we're solving for them. And if we're talking to the right people and so pricing, then obviously there's, there's the hard cost that, pricing fulfills. And we've talked about that. There's the, the minimum numbers, the truth of those numbers that we need to hit in order for our business to run and for us to stay alive. And then there's the psychological aspect of those numbers and what they say. And do they match the story that we're trying to tell and everything all together. Somebody might absolutely love my work. They might see it and think, oh, I'd love to have that for myself. And then look at the pricing and and the website and the delivery and think, wow, these things don't match. There is some mental disconnect happening here. And I, I can't really understand how I'm looking at this quality of work. And then I'm looking at the price and the website looks like shit and et cetera, et cetera. And these things are, are now contradictory in my head. I can't make this work. And so they never even reach out to book with me. The, the pricing is also a psychological aspect that has to match in with the rest of the story that we're telling people about who we are so that it all makes sense. That way, you know, when they show up and I'm explaining the value to them through the way that they're treated and their experience and all that good stuff, everything is copacetic and there's no contradiction happening there that makes them go, I'm now uncomfortable because something doesn't fit. And it doesn't seem like that should be the case, but it 100% is. 
faux show. Yep. All right, guys, we're getting close to the end of the hour. If you have any thoughts, now is the time. So nobody has raised their hand asking if, you've guys, if you guys have some great advice about how to price your products. If you have some questions, feel free to raise your hand and we'll make sure that we address those before we close for Christmas and holidays and time with our families. So don't be afraid. Um, do we have any Coming final out. thoughts? I know, it's time. Do we have any final thoughts, guys, um, to, to offer folks about this idea of how we should be pricing or some methods we can look at? All kinds of methods. So many methods. Um, you know, and maybe there are, yeah, we've talked a lot about like pricing products, but what if, you know, our product is purely digital? Right. What if we based all of our pricing off of just full res or web res, right? Like just keeping everything in a digital space to keep those, you know, cost of goods way down, right? And still be in a sustainable place where we can, you know, thrive as, as human beings. Um, what does that kind of pricing model look like? Like, you know, I, one of the things that I do say to my clients is I will never be the photographer that just chucks everything onto a disc and hand it to you. But at the end of the day, that's actually a lie. If the dollar amount's right, I will happily just hand everything right over and just be like, great, have a nice day. Um, <laughs> you know, and I do have a couple of clients that are like that. Now, those clients are in the, the 20K plus range. Um, but that's when you start getting into day rates and then setting the, the boundaries around those deliverables. You know, am I delivering everything at raw? Am I delivering everything edited? Is there like, okay, well, this is my, my day rate plus, you know, 30 images, 60 images, 100 images, right? Um, and start looking at things from that perspective. And how do you determine what your day rate is versus what your product pricing is? Um, and understanding that those two things have to be cohesive as well. Because when you start getting into clients that are like, well, I mean, what if I just want you to, I, what if I want to take you to Europe and have you photograph me for, you know, a week? Okay, that's cool. We can definitely make that happen, <laughs> right? But what does that look like in a space where, okay, well, if I'm gone from my studio for a week and I'm not able to, to charge clients what I would be charging for being in that space, Okay, and how do you backtrack that pricing so that your on-location and destination work is not only cohesive for that, but sustainable for you to generate the numbers you need to hit in order to stay in business? Yeah, there's just so many things to consider, which is why I'm so glad we're having this conversation because we just need to be good business people. I mean, we really need to understand the costs going into this and how those relate all across the board, which is why, you know, we wanted to make sure we had this conversation. Um, so Juliet would love to hear your thoughts. Hi, I'll try not to be too wordy. Um, so this year I hit like a sweet spot for in fa with families. And so, um, and it's funny, we do all our homework and research and like even Matt saying one size, one price is just like, you never know where you're gonna find the morsels from different people as you do your homework. But I think the bottom line is, finding products that you love and believe in. And like, I have a few things that I, that I have in the studio that are just the way I would use them because if I don't have room in my house for an 11 by 14 folio, folio box. So I don't know how to translate that for people. And so I think um, being really confident and also being flexible, I think are the key um, elements for me in, in having sustainable pricing and dealing with clients. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right that if you're not 100% behind your products, it's going to be really difficult to sell them. But if you're selling things that you adore and you're able to talk about them passionately and how they're going to bring value to somebody's life, all of a sudden the sale doesn't become. Absolutely. Anthony, want to hear from you as well. What are your thoughts on Oh, no, I don't have a lot of thoughts on pricing, but I just want to thank you guys for uh, all the information you guys share because I've learned so much uh, from the business standpoint that it, was, that it is 
one of the areas that I'm liking out, I'm learning. And I wanted uh, to ask you guys if there's any book that you guys like. I would definitely Google it, try to find out a good business book, you know, if, from the artist standpoint. Um, but I haven't found like, a, you know, a good one. I, I was wondering if you guys recommended any. Any books on pricing, guys, or 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 business? Or, or, um, that or you, business, yeah, as a whole. Right, right, yeah, or business that you really. You know, I'd probably need to do a little bit of thinking on that, um, but I think it's an it's an awesome topic for the Facebook group, right? So I think we should um, develop a must-have book list, <laughs> maybe even maybe even pin it in the Facebook group because this question does come up a lot. And for every situation, um, there are some, you know, more pointed books and then there's some that are more generic that I keep as Bibles in my shelf. So yeah, I'd love to, you know, I can start that list if you want in the Facebook group and we can just kind of keep adding to it and make sure that it becomes our little bit of a library. Yeah. That would be amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Guys. I definitely. Is, I, I bought atomic habits. Thanks for you guys. Awesome. Oh, what have you? Oh, I haven't started yet. I'm finishing one uh, that I'm reading, and then that's my next one on the list. Awesome. Well, I hope we can. Uh, we we'll have the Artist Forge Book Club by the end of this <laughs> sucker. <laughs> we'll just be talking about all the awesome books that we've read and what we've learned. All right. So, just to wrap everything in a neat little bow, we've been discussing financing finances for our business, the hard numbers, the monies. And today we're looking at how we price our products, not just from a physical point of view, from what they actually cost um, and all of the hard numbers, the overhead it costs to create those products, the cost of the goods themselves, and then you know the potential variable costs that go into that, but also from a, a psychological standpoint. And how do these numbers represent our brand and who we want to be in the marketplace, where we're trying to position ourselves? Are those things supporting one another? There's a lot of different potential methods that you could look at this. Um, we really love Kat's method of it's just 10%. So if it costs me, you know, $2.50, then it's probably going to cost $250 to buy. Um, and looking at that as a way to just begin, like that's the, the minimum level that everything's at. That's where it sits. And so I can build my pricing structure off of that in order for everything to make sense. Um, and also in order to support. So once you look at that number, then you get to ask yourself, okay, now that the cost of, you know, the goods and the, the overhead that goes into this product, now that everything is there, what does this product say about my business? Does it fall in line? And if it doesn't, how can I change everything? So remember that your business is a habitat, right? It is an ecosystem and all of the different parts of the business need to support one another. And so if you have built yourself to be the affordable family place, and now you have done the math to figure out what your cost of goods is, and your final product needs to be $500 for an eight by 10 print, then does that support you being the affordable family photographer? Maybe not. Maybe not for your area. That's why market research is important. So then you start changing some things in your ecosystem. Maybe all of a sudden the, that price of the print gets rolled into something else, like you know the cost of a location or whatever it is in order to justify that cost or to mitigate that cost so people feel like they're not quite spending as much as they are. Or maybe you change that and it becomes your session fee and then the individual prints become much cheaper so that people feel like they are able to get as many prints as they want, but you've covered your cost of doing business already. There's a lot of different ways, really myriad multiple ways that your pricing can be structured in order to not only support you and have a business that can thrive, but also that allows your clients to feel like they're getting the value that they're paying for. But you need to understand the hard costs going into this so you can use that as a baseline to build everything off of. And then ask yourself, does this support who I want to be in the marketplace? Um, just as a quick example before we go, there are some folks who are um, retail artists, their their whole goal is to make things for a lot of people. They want to sell prints to everybody. I, I know I've mentioned Chris Reiniak several times. 
He's on Instagram. He draws and sculpts these adorable monsters that just give me life every time I see them. They're so damn cute. I want to buy all of them. Um, I have several of his prints. They're incredibly affordable. I might be able to get a little print for 15 bucks or 25 bucks. I am willing to do that. And so are thousands of other people, guys. So all of a sudden, he doesn't need to be an artist who is selling a single drawing of his for $10,000. He gets to sell to 20,000, 30,000, 100,000 people for 15 bucks a piece. You can do the math and figure out how much you might be earning there. But you both of those methods the individual artist who is selling a signed piece for a bazillion dollars or the retail artist who is selling 20,000 pieces for ten dollars a piece both of these people are going to make a really good living the question becomes how do you want to live your life and who do you want to serve and then how do you build your processes and your prices in order to do that so i hope that the last few days of conversation were really helpful to you. I know um, the rest of the Artist Forge really loved having everybody there last night for the live stream. If you didn't get to see or be a part of it, I absolutely can guarantee there was good stuff there. So go ahead over to Nicole Creates on YouTube or to the Facebook page um, and you will be able to see the replays of that. Thanks for being with us this week. Have an amazing holiday if you celebrate the holiday. If you don't, Hopefully you have an incredible relaxing weekend and you come back into the new year feeling rejuvenated. We will see everybody bright and early on Monday morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That is 6 a.m. for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast. In the meantime, go make something amazing. We'll see you all next week. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.